Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at So part of our, our walk in Jesus is to realize and have revelation of the principles and the, the, the things that he wants us to work on in order to become more like him. How many of you want to become more like Christ? Okay. So there's a scripture that we all know so well. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves your body is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it goes to verse two, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, you may prove, you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So God wants us to move into what is good, acceptable, and perfect in him. And he wants us not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed. But there is a process of transformation that you must go through in order to be victorious. And God always does that because we're, this, we're, we're here in this world, but we're not of this world. And so we must, we must operate in heavenly principles on the, in, in earthly time period. And so what he's saying here, we must be transformed by the renewing of our what? Mind. Our mind is our our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, three parts of us. Now, there, we are a three-part being. We're body, soul, and spirit. And then the soul is a three-part being, our mind, will, and emotions. Now, may I suggest that there's three tools that we use to transform ourselves that God gives us. The word is the primary tool that God uses to transform our mind because our mind needs changing. When you got saved, your mind didn't get saved your mind needs to get transformed. I mean, it's, it can be dedicated to God, but you've got to change it because you've been, you've been, you've been uh, thinking wrongly, even as Chris has been talking about. The second thing, prayer. Prayer is a tool, too. Prayer is the primary tool that God uses to transform our will. Our will. So the Word of God is for the mind. Prayer is for the, our will. And the third imperative is this, that worship is the primary tool that God uses to transform our emotions. Our emotions. Now, all of these tools, all these tools are of God and they're used in renewing or reform, reformation or transformation of our being, our soul, because our soul needs to be, is continually being saved, continually being changed and transformed. The Bible says the threefold cord is not easily broken. So you have the word of God, you have prayer, and you have praise and worship. And may I suggest that all of these to need to be operative, and the way they are operative is through one means. It's through your mouth. You preach the word, you say your prayers, you sing your praise. You preach the word, you say your prayers, you sing your praise. They have to be said, sang, articulated. Something happens to our soul when we activate our mouths and use it to glorify God. For faith comes by hearing the word of God. How do you hear the word? Does God say the word of God? No, you have to say the word of God. 
You don't, you don't turn on, uh, you know, channel 777, tune into heaven and hear God's, God speak his word. That doesn't happen. You have, to, you have to open your Bible and open your mouth and say it. Something happens to you. Your mouth is the launching pad of God for spiritual rockets to be launched into the kingdom of darkness. You are not just a child of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom and you're, you're a member of the army of God and he uses your mouth to destroy the works of darkness. Come on, amen. But as you do this, you become transformed and changed. There are three times the word transformed is used in the Bible. I just read it in Romans chapter 12. The second time is 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. We're being tr transformed. The word transformed is the word metamorpho. Metamorpho, being changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You, so many of us are in cocoons and we never break out of our cocoons because we never praise. We never pray. We never speak the word of God. The only way you will get out of that cocoon, that, that limitation cocoon, is being transformed by God himself. That was good, Pastor Ken. If they're not going to say amen, I'm going to say amen. Okay. So, but I want to talk about one of these today. I want to talk about the power of worship and praise. I talked somewhat about this two weeks ago. I want to continue this a little bit. What you worship, you become like. It's a fact. Everyone in the universe worships something because you were made as, you were made in the image of God, therefore you're made to worship. And therefore you, and whether you're saved or not, you worship something or someone. And so what you worship, you become like. What you spend your time honoring and glorifying is what you will end up shaping your soul and, and your being. If you want to be like God, you got to spend time worshiping him. You have to. It's, it's mandatory. Look, look what happened to the children of Israel. I'll just give you an example of this. In Exodus 32, we, we see the story when the children of Israel, they, they, uh, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he got the Ten Commandments and they, he was gone a long time and they were scared and they, they thought, man, something's gonna, something must have happened. Dogs must have got him. Animals must have, you know, got a hold of him. So then what, what did they do? They then gathered together and they, they uh, uh, put together all their gold, all their precious diamonds, etc., and they built a golden calf. They then worshiped that golden calf and began to dance before it. They became like what they worshiped. They became dishonoring of God and they honored an animal. And in honoring and worshiping an animal, they become an animalistic. They, become, they became immoral. In Daniel 3, the same thing. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, made a large image of gold and demanded that everyone bow to it. And we remember the story of the three Hebrew children. They would not bow and they were subsequently thrown in the fiery furnace. They were told to bow or to burn. And so they did not bow because they knew. They knew. This is why they didn't bow. Some people think, well, they didn't bow because they wanted to honor God. And that's part of it, Yes. But they didn't, did not bow because they knew that would mean that they would be transformed into the image of that, of that idol. What you bow to, you become like. Our worship must be given only to God. If I want to be transformed into his image, I must begin to spend time worshiping him, honoring him, glorifying him. And it has to happen from your mouth. Now let's talk about the role of music. This is really interesting. There, I, I say it this way. God fashioned music as a container or a, 
an instrument of, of carrying his glory and his, and his spirit to us. That's what music is. Music is used in our culture to manipulate our emotions and affect our moods. We have all kinds of music today. But God is the music maker. He's the one that made, designed music. And if we remember Lucifer, who was the chief uh, archangel over worship, he was, he was cast out. He did not lose his gift of worship and of, of, of music, I should say. And he came to earth and he's using it in the same way God is using his music to reform and transform us. So we have all kinds of music today. We have rock and roll. We have blues, country, gospel, bluegrass, pop. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Music is a major part of our culture. It just is. And let me say it this way. I read a book that changed my view of everything I'm talking about. If you want to read a good book, Michael, this is a good book. It's, it's called The Book That Changed Your World. This book is a book about Western civilization and how Western civilization changed the world. Without Western civilization, which if you go back and study the history, so I'm a history guy, so Western civilization is all about God bringing the gospel to the whole world. That's, a Western, that's the root of Western civilization. And so without Western civilization, there would be no such thing as music. You don't hear music in mosques. You don't hear music in Buddhist temples. You don't hear music outside of the world of Christianity. And every time you hear music, no matter who it's from or what it's from, the root is Western civilization. And so we have music today in all aspects because of the work of God in coming and moving in our, in our culture. Music is a, is a huge part of our culture. Can you imagine music or Christmas without music? Think of it. What, what introduced Jesus to the shepherds? Angels singing. They came and sang it. They just didn't tell it. They sang it. You see, I'm telling you, there's something about music, singing, worship. And we have all these, you know, we have music concerts. We have music stars. We, we, we have the most popular programs on TV or music programs. The Voice and American Idol. I mean, the list goes on of, of musicians that are doing their thing. We have all kinds of ways of, of dispensing of, and of music with not just radio stations, but we have our own our own playlist now. You can take out your phone and do your own playlist. Some of you have hundreds of songs that you, that you listen to, and that's all good, but music is. Music is a way for God or Satan to transform your life. Have you ever thought of this? Music starts every ball game in America. Music is used in every, used in every major sporting event. Every, at halftime, what do they do? Music. Saying, it's, all, it's, it's, it's always that way. It's even used during most of radio, rodeos. I mean, you start looking at all these things. It's piped into offices, retail stores, gas stations. You can't get anywhere without music. You go into a grocery store, there's music. It's just, it's, it's every place we gather publicly, music is given. Music is, 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 is uh, proclaimed and broadcast. Music begins every church service. Why? Well, because God told us to. Enter his presence with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Music is a major part of our lives, and it should be, because God designed it to change you. 
God designed it to transform you. Now, if you're not careful, you allow the devil to transform you. Be careful of the, of the, of the songs, the worship that you, that you give. And it probably affects us in many ways that we're not even aware of. Can you imagine a world without music? Wow. And since Lucifer was the heavenly archangel of worship in heaven, he will also attempt to use it on earth to promote his activities. In the same way, God wants to renew our souls. So have you ever noticed how a praise and worship part of the service can actually get to our emotions? I've, I've seen people cry, rejoice, you know, weep, give peace. There's something about this, the worship, music, singing part of it. God uses it. Now listen carefully. God uses it to adjust your emotions to the right heavenly temperature. He, he does this. I, I say this all the time. He retunes the piano of your heart. That's what he does in worship. He does it in worship. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Now notice this. How does he say to be filled with the spirit? By speaking to one another, speaking to one another. He didn't say meditating to one another. He didn't say thinking to one another. He said speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So we have this, this instrument that God has designed for us to use. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm hopefully going to put some of you in, a, in conviction mode as we go through this. The sacrifice of praise. Now let's, let's think about this. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here we see that in order to be transformed, our first order of business is to bring a sacrifice, to bring a sacrifice of ourselves. Now here's a problem. We are such a consumer society and culture, which Chris has been talking about a lot. We're, we're such a consumer. We come to church to get. Can I tell you, if you come to church to get, you will receive nothing. But if you come to church and you give, you'll receive everything. As we, as we worship God, as we give our sacrifice, now notice the word sacrifice, then God will show up. This is Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, notice this. We are, we're all to offer up the sacrifice of praise. How often are we to do it? What did it say? Continually. How often is continually? All the time. Continually. And what? notice this. It says it's the fruit of your lips. In other words, it has to be done by your lips. It has to be done with your voice. It has to be spoken. It has to be sung. It has to be articulated. It can only be done through our mouth. It can only be done verbally. It must be spoken, sung, articulated. The mouth has to be used in the act of praise. The sacrifice of praise is giving thanks. The principle of sacrifice is all through the Bible. Think about this. It started with Adam and Eve to cover them because of their sin. It continued as God called for sacrifices and for the people to bring the very best of their substance and present it in a very specific manner to him as an offering. They couldn't go anywhere to meet with God without sacrifice. Now, in the same way, as it was in the beginning, so let it be now. The same principle holds true in church. We just don't bring sheep and goats. We bring the fruit of our lips. You didn't catch that. The place should have gone bazonk on that one. 
So what we do when we come to church, we give the sacrifice of praise. We give the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We do, that's, how, that's what we do. We don't, we're not you know, cutting animals and spilling blood. We're, we're actually doing it because we've already been redeemed. Therefore, we bring a sacrifice of our own lives and our own demonstration. And so this sacrifice that, that was given by, by Adam and others, it, was, it represented the shedding of innocent blood for the covering of man's life. Whenever a priest would desire to approach God, he always had to do it based upon sacrifice. Always. Now, this is an interesting story. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Chronicles 21, given twice. It's the story of David bringing a sacrifice. David sinned. He sinned against God by doing something that God said he shouldn't do. And the wrath of God was kindled against him, and the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel. There was a pestilence. There was a plague that came. And a death angel began moving over the people of Israel. And David repented, however, when he found out. God, God commanded David then to offer sacrifices in a special way and in a special place. He was told, now I'm going to read the scripture in just a minute, but he was told to build an altar on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. This was the time of harvest, and Ornan was a farmer. And so for him to shut down his threshing floor, and it was to shut down his source of income. He, he was giving up everything he had, for this. Now Ornan, however, also saw the death angel and immediately offered it to David at no cost. He said, man, you can have this. He begged David to just take the threshing floor and even offered his own oxen to be used as, as burnt offerings. But God had demanded the sacrifice from David, not Ornan. But Ornan offering this to David, it, was, it probably was a great temptation would David offer to God the free gifts Ornan had offered to him? David knew that the key to sacrifice involved himself. He had to make the sacrifice himself. It would be an insult to the character of God to offer sacrifices that cost David nothing. So David bought it all from Ornan. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 24 says, The king David said to Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. And David built there an altar to the Lord, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called on the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. The message of this story is this, that sacrifice must touch our lives. It must cost us something. The offer of Ornan is made to all believers every, every day. Every time we come to church. It is so easy to sit in church and let others offer up your sacrifice. You watch the worship team. Oh, they're great singers. Let them sing. And we say nothing. We don't worship. We don't honor God. And remember, worship is always with your mouth. Now, there's demonstrations of other things. The Bible says you do it with your arms, you do it with your, 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 your body, but there, this, the speaking part of it is very, very important. The sacrifice must touch us deeply and intimately. It must come from the depths of our hearts. Only when it costs us something does it become a sacrifice. Boy, think about that one. 
And so what I'm, I'm challenging you, I, I worship part of the church is not just the perfunctory part that we play before the word comes and the really important thing. We actually, and if I get a chance, I'm gonna preach another sermon, it will really nail this down. It actually does something in us that prepares us for the word. And so, but so many of us come to church and we just kind of, well, you know, I'm not a good singer, so I'm not gonna sing. Well, you better start saying it then. If you can't sing it, say it. Speak it, declare it, shout it, whatever. The Bible says, you know, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Do it. You have to do it with your mouth. But we go through the motions of this, of this perfunctory form of praise. And, and so many of us, we can just put our praise on autopilot. We just, well, we've done this so many times and you know, we just do it. We kind of get through worship so we can get to the rest of the, because we know how to do it. We know the right way to, to raise our hands, clap our hands, even cock our head. You just know the, the right way to do everything. But while we're doing this, we're preoccupied with other, other affairs of business. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. There is a battle going on right now for your mind. All the time. The, the mind wants to rule you, particularly the carnal mind. And praise is a powerful tool that God has given to us for God to use to renew our minds. It's powerful because you then set your mind on God. Now, let me just express this. This is so important. Psalm 103 is just a delightful scripture. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is David that's, that penned this, this psalm. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me give you this in contemporary words. Soul, get with it. Start worshiping God. That's what it's saying. Come on, soul, bless God. Come on, soul. All that is within you, start worshiping God. David is speaking to his soul. We need to speak to our soul. Shake our souls up. My mind what an emotion. He's commanding his soul, his mind, his will, emotions to bless the Lord. We, sometimes we just have to grab a hold of our soul. You, do, you don't always come to church in the best soul condition. You don't, your emotions are all over the map. Your mind is not with it. And your will, you just kind of, well, I don't really want to do that today. Well, bless God, do it. You have to talk to yourself that way. Notice how God gets his soul to focus on God. Now, notice this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So what he says, when you, you want to shock your soul, start speaking to God in, in ways of benefits. In other words, remember, tell, tell your soul to remember the benefits of God. Look at verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Verse 3 says this. It says, and who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And then it goes on, and who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, and he renews your youth. Those are all benefits of the kingdom of God. You need to start saying them, singing them. If you're, if, you know, if you're a singer, put, put music to it. It's just amazing. He, he's, he's saying that this is the way you bless the Lord. This is the way it shocks your soul into doing what's right. Our sacrifice is to include remembering what God has done and praising him for it. Amen, Pastor Ken. 
Now there is a result to sacrifice of praise. Let me just give this, this is powerful. God is not only interested in the praise we give him when things are going well, he's also after the praise, particularly after the praise that comes in the midst of great trial, great difficulty, grief, relational problems, even financial problems. If you start praising God in the midst of that, that goes a long ways to God. And I'll, I'll explain in a few minutes what that really means. In fact, praise, the sacrifice of praise when you're going through something is really a sacrifice. And God sees that in a deeper way because he realized the, the, the uh, sacrifice that, it's me, it's, it's, that you're doing in your life and giving to him. When we give it to him in times of difficulty, it means much more to him. Now think about this. It is like Paul and Silas in Acts 16 in the Philippian jail, praising God at midnight. And all of a sudden they began to praise God because they knew a principle. They knew a principle. And it was this act of sacrifice of praise. If you go to Acts 16, which you don't have time to do, it caused the shaking of the prison and their eventual release. But it did more than that, which I'm going to go through in a little bit. It gave their eventual release. It saved a, a, a jailer from committing suicide. It actually, he, it saved his whole family. And then guess what? It saved the whole city. I mean, just amazing. And then there was other ramifications as well. It's also like Jonah in the belly of the whale. He's there three days and three nights. Jonah 2.9, it says, he began to give the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. And all of a sudden, the fish got a bellyache. Projected him up someplace. And now I find this, I, I'm funny. I'm, I think of scriptures like this and I'm thinking, what would that look like in my day? You know, blah, this projectile coming out of his mouth. And if you have to think about this, here's a man in the belly of a whale or a fish with, with all the acid in that belly. It probably, uh, uh, it was like Clorox or something. He probably was white when he came out. But the result of the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise that resulted in breakthrough and release actually touched more than him. Jonah then went and preached to a city and the entire city got saved. 600,000 souls. Come on, sacrifice of thanksgiving, give it to me. Hallelujah. There... There is a spiritual hot button that we push when we operate in the sacrifice of praise that moves us into miracles. I don't understand, but God made it this way. I'm telling you, this is how God thinks. It actually moves us into the divine action of Almighty God. This really does become a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and releases God to move and it allows God to shut down the activity of the enemy. When we operate in the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, the act of praise moves the hand of God. Come on, amen. Now, watch this. Just giving you some uh, theological terms. The word giving thanks in Hebrews 13, 15 is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The, the phrase giving thanks literally means confessing to his name. It translated in this scripture, it means lips that make confession to his name. Giving thanks, the phrase giving thanks is the Greek word homologio. It means to confess. So the end of that verse should read, that is the fruit of our lips confessing to his name. So the sacrifice of praise is therefore equated, put equal with confession to the name of Jesus. 
they're the same thing. When you start giving the sacrifice of praise, you're confessing to his name. And when you, when you elicit the name of Jesus, mighty things occur. Homologio means to speak the same thing, to give assent to, to agree with, to confess, to declare, to confess, or declare openly. There's a connection between confession and the sacrifice of praise. There is connection. Here, hear me out. Confession equals a sacrifice of praise. Confession is saying the same thing with our mouth that God says in his word. And when we sing it, something happens because it's contained in that. It literally it means making the words of our mouth agree with the word, written word of God. Because Romans 10, 10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We confess our way into the benefits of the kingdom. We confess our way. We sing our way. We declare our way. We, we, we speak our way into the confession. We have to confess it with your mouth. If faith is going to move in our lives, now faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by God's word. So if faith is going to move in our lives, it must have a means of expressing itself. Stay with me. It has to be expressed. Faith has to be said. The words of our lips give expression and life to the action of faith within us. Faith to be real faith has to speak. You can't just think it. You got to speak it. If faith does not speak, it is stillborn. In other words, you have been given the seed of God's word in your heart and a baby is, is, has been formed in you. If you don't speak, it is not delivered. I have a whole other message on barrenness. Boy, it's going to blow you away. I'm telling you, it has to be spoken. When God gives you a promise, you've got to speak it. You have to declare it or it will be stillborn. Praise must be spoken. It must be expressed. The mouth must be used. It is this action of sacrifice that explodes us into the area of faith and then allows for the miraculous. There is a direct connection between our mouths and our hearts. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is like a faucet that lets out what is being held in the heart. And it shouldn't be let out in evil things, but in good things. We first, however, must repeat with our mouth what the word of God says until our heart believes it because your heart only believes your mouth. The confession of what God's word says is necessary to re-educate our minds and souls. Your mind won't get transformed until your mouth says it enough. Whoa, I didn't even say that first service. You, did you hear what I said? Your mind needs your mouth. And you got to say it. There's a direct connection between it. In the Hebrew language, this is interesting. In the Hebrew language, the phrase to learn by heart, you know, we all, yeah, we need to learn that by heart. Actually, it's translated in the Greek, to learn by mouth. You learn by mouth. How do children learn to read when they're first reading in their books at school? They read out loud. They have to. You have to read it out loud. You say it and then you begin to, you form the words and you hear it and, you're, and then you begin, it begins to be, become, and I, I'm a teacher, so I understand that. It has to be, it has to be spoken. And unfortunately, we get to a little older and we, we, make, we make them stop and just read to themselves. And I think, I think we need to learn as adult Christians who are mature to start reading things and saying things out loud more. We're much, you've heard me say that we're much too quiet. We've got to speak. We got, you got to, you got to say it. You got to speak it. 
You, you got to declare it. We learn the best by saying things with our mouth. You, and you remember words the best when associated with songs. That's why they put, you know, ditties on TV on, for, for, for Pepsi. All of a sudden you get this, this song and you remember the words, oh, I got to go get a Pepsi. Or they, Taco Bell, they, they put a song to it. And you got, oh, I got to go get a taco in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> they put those songs on purpose because music carries a message. Wow. So I learned a lot of scripture by singing it. I mean, I could sing probably 12, 15 songs right here, right now, by, by just the fact that I, I knew them. I, I, songs were put to scripture. In fact, in Jesus' people days, all we did is we sang scripture songs. That's what we did. We sang scripture songs. Isn't that right, Rudy and Pam? We, just, we had scripture and we sang to it. And it was all just so, uh, you know, so powerful in, in, that, in that respect. So the very process of, of confession demands that we resist our feelings and make the words of our mouth agree with God's word. Feelings shouldn't dictate to us. Amen? So, and I close with these, this, this next little bit here. Confession is the key to our faith. It unlocks the wealth of God's promises on our behalf. Our confession through the sacrifice of praise leads us into the manifestation of the entire salvation provided for us on the cross. Now, salvation isn't just saved. Salvation also with sozo and soterio is not just being saved, it's being healed. It's every part of the redemptive act of God. The sacrifice of praise is essentially an act of confession to the word, the name, and the blood. The sacrifice of praise is saying the same thing with our lips that God says in his word. It's taking the words of the Psalms, the promises of the New Testament, and, the, and singing them, raising them as a, as a triumphant anthem. I don't understand, but it's like singing is at another level with God. If you put confession to singing, it does something marvelous and powerful in you and to everyone you hear. That's why when someone sings an anointed song and the words come out, it touches your heart, your change, your emotions are affected. Music touches our soul through our emotions. And it does something. It causes us to confess the right things. And we can do this uh, corporately. We can do it individually. By doing this, we bring our minds and souls into subjection of Jesus Christ. One of the main themes of Hebrews is the high, high priesthood of Jesus. It is a revelation of his ministry that Jesus has at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. I don't know if you know this. He ministers in heaven right now. Jesus does. As our personal representative in the presence of God. He presents our prayer requests and our praise. A high priest in the Old Testament was someone who went into the presence of God on behalf of others. Jesus Christ is our high priest, bringing our requests, our prayers, our praise to the Father. How much uh, have you given to him to present to the Father recently? The high priesthood of Jesus is directly linked to the confession of our mouths. The confession we make here on earth determines how much Jesus is able to minister on our behalf in heaven. Wow. I remember, I'm gonna sing that song again, Emmanuel. When we were in the Jesus people days, we, we sang a song all the time as we started service. We would sing this song. 
We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Oh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. How many knew that song? The rest of you need to know it. We used to sing it Sunday after Sunday, and after a while I thought, what, what is that? What is offering up to Jesus the sacrifice? And we need to do that. So, as I close, Hebrews 3.1. It says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. This links Christ's high priesthood directly to our confession. It is our confession that makes his priestly ministry to be effective in our behalf. He brings our confession of the word to the Father. He will not, he will not, he will not bring our begging or pleading. Did you hear what I said? When we stand on God's word and declare it, he then offers it. Right confession invokes his high priestly minister ministry, but wrong confession shuts us off from it. Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't give up on your confession. Hold it fast. Be careful not to change or go back to a position of unbelief. Pressure will come against you. You know, I, I think, I know Mark was talking to the football team in the middle of the season when all these things started occurring. They started, uh, you know, you start doubting. What, what you can do, but you start confessing. Shay, I'm sure you started confessing things, confessing things. This is what you said, Lord. I believe it. Do you know that, do you remember this, Shay? You were there, I think. What, was he there when we had the 15? Yeah, at Steve and Patty Rooks at the beginning of the season, we have 15 players at their, at their house. We prayed over them and prophesied over them. Remember that, Keegan? And we, we just believed that God's word was gonna bear fruit in their lives this season. Every one of them, God has bore great fruit. Shay is an example of that. Now, I'm just saying, when you get in difficult times, that's the best time to start giving the sacrifice of praise. It's not because what happens? God takes that. He takes it to the Father. He begins to offer it to him. So don't give up on your confession. Hebrews 10, 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. There is mounting pressure on us to, to to overcome our right confession. We, you, you'll, get, you'll get a medical diagnosis. This is the report of the doctor. Well, what's the report of the Lord? Come on, what's the report of this? Give that confession. And so Hebrews 13, 15, and I close with this. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. There is tremendous potential today for soul transformation in this room. As we apply the principle of the sacrifice of praise, your praise literally releases Jesus at the right hand of the Father to operate on your behalf. And as you give the sacrifice of praise, it begins to smash the strongholds of the enemy and bondages are released. That was good. Now, you know what I do? When I'm driving around town, I'm by myself, I'm giving praise. I'm, I'm speaking life, I'm speaking in tongues. You know. Um, I'm just believing that, that the sacrifice of praise when we're by ourselves in, in corporate, something 
it, it is something we give to God that he grabs a hold of and he gives us victory through. Isn't this powerful? It'll change your life. It'll transform your mind. If you're having trouble with your mind, start singing. Start worshiping. Start filling the room with the praise and, and worship of God. Just fill it up. Take, a, take authority over the atmosphere. The enemy comes into your home to try to take authority and, and, and rob you of peace and of joy. You take authority. You fill the room with the glory of God. And, and borrow my grandson Presley if you want to. He'll come and preach for two hours to you. Serious, he gets up there on his platform. He preaches and he, he, he speaks and he declares and he confesses. He's either preaching or playing football all day long. And I'm telling you, that there's something to that. So let's change. Let's change the atmosphere around us. Let others uh, gain uh, a benefit from the, from the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Some of you are in the belly of the fish right now. All you need to do is give the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It'll happen. Wow. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.